0: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This week, Bishop Rhodes talks about Good Shepherd Sunday, his well received Chrism Mass homily, and the Bread of Life discourse. Go to RedeemerRadio.com if you have a question you'd like Bishop to answer.
1: Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good Bishop. Happy Easter, Bishop. Thank you Kyle, happy Easter Still in our our Easter season And one of the things that we haven't had a chance to address yet This is our first recording since the bombing in Sri Lanka I don't know if
0: you wanted to comment or had any thoughts on that Yeah, what a tragedy And um, that terrorist attack on innocent people in Sri Lanka So many were killed and so many wounded We've been praying throughout the diocese for the victims and their families And uh, two of the Uh, attacks were in catholic churches Mm -hmm. and uh, cardinal archbishop the following sunday canceled all masses because of safety concerns that there could be other terrorists out there just so very very sad and uh, we need to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters there for peace and that they capture any terrorists who you know are still at large Um, so we need to continue and remember these uh, christians throughout the world who are victims of persecution or you know here we go to worship, and we don't think about the dangers uh, because you know we live in a country where there is peace but but there are many so many places where it takes courage to go to church because of the risks involved, yeah
1: and I know we have some priests in our diocese that are missionary priests from Sri Lanka, and I was reading an article that came out that was talking a little bit how that came to be that there was a need in our diocese and and some priests from Sri Lanka stepped up and said, we, we can come and help out.
0: Yeah, that was um, when Bishop Darcy was Bishop. Uh, I don't know how he, he had some connection. And yeah. um, and ever since then, we've had um, a few priests from Sri Lanka who've been serving here um, and they've been so generous in um, in coming here and serving really as missionaries in the United States. And we've had others who've been here and have returned back to Sri Lanka. And, you know, we checked to find that they were all okay after the bombings. You know, we didn't know if any of them were in the churches, uh, and, and but none of them were, thanks be to God. Yeah. And as we think about our, our priests, those that uh,
1: are from our diocese and those that have come to our diocese, and of course you, Bishop, as our, as our shepherd as well, uh, I think it's all very appropriate as this is Good Shepherd Sunday coming up this Sunday, which is May 12th. I don't know if you would like to
0: comment a little bit on the gospel for Sunday's reading. It's a short one. Yeah, it's. Um, I'd be happy to. The um, It's really short, but it has a lot of meaning in it. Uh, it's from chapter 10 of John's gospel, verses 27 to 30. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll read it and maybe just reflect a little bit on it. It is rather short. begins, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can take them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can take them out of the father's hand. The father and I are one. I mean, it's, 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 such a beautiful gospel beginning with jesus says saying my sheep hear my voice makes me think how do we or how do i hear his voice you know that's in prayer Mm -hmm. Um, meditating on the scriptures for example we hear the voice of the lord and then jesus says i know them and they follow me this idea that Jesus, the good shepherd, knows us. And that means not just about us. This is about an intimate knowledge. It has to do with a relationship. I know them. And they follow me. Yeah, following the shepherd. And where do we follow him to? To green pastures. And of course, ultimately, the green pastures of eternity. Hmm. Heaven. So... Our Lord goes on to say, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. We think about that. Another place we read, Jesus saying, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Mm -hmm. So that's how he gives us eternal life, by laying down his life for us. And then he says, no one can take them out of my hand. I think that's particularly beautiful that our good shepherd uh, protects us from wolves and thieves. That's what a shepherd does. So the idea that Jesus says, no one can take them out of my hand, that should give us great confidence uh, that our Lord protects us, that you know he's not going to allow us to be destroyed. So, and then he goes on and, and kind of shows about how God the Father is involved in this. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. So the idea that God the Father gave us to Jesus, I think that's a beautiful thing because it was the Father who sent the Son into the world not to condemn but to save us, you know? So anyhow, he's Jesus says he's greater than all. I mean, he's the creator. And he says And no one can take them out of the Father's hand. So we're not only, in jesus's hand but also in the father's hand so you see this relationship between the father and the son and and then that very astounding last sentence of this sunday's gospel the father and i are one how are they one well obviously in caring for the sheep Hmm. Um, that's the point of this gospel no one can take us out of the hand of jesus And no one can take us out of the hand of the Father. So, they both, the Father and the Son, have this great care for the sheep. But the fact of the Father and I are one, they have the same purpose. They're one in the saving purpose. One in Jesus' will was perfectly aligned to the will of his Father. And that will is the salvation of humanity. And, of course, when you think more deeply about this, the Father and I are one, we can think of the Holy Trinity, how they are united in love, that the Father and the Son, the, the Son is consubstantial, we say, mm-hmm. with the Father. That mystery of the oneness of God in three distinct persons, there's this consubstantial one in being with the Father. So, it's really a beautiful gospel. It's short, but I think in many ways, it's a very consoling gospel, I think, and is is really good for our reflection. And then
1: going back to that first line, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I suppose our obligation on this is, one, to be able to know when it's the voice of the shepherd and not the voice of something else. Right. And then to listen for that voice and then to follow that, that's kind of our obligation. And sometimes I wonder which of those is lacking most in us. Is it that we don't know the voice of the father? Is it that we, we know the voice of the father, but we're not listening. We're not taking the time for that. Or we hear the voice of the father, but we're not following What's our, what's our
0: biggest yeah, fault? I think every person should ask themselves that. I, I think um, mm-hmm. sometimes from my experience, because Jesus is talking about his voice, and certainly his voice, not only in our prayer, but in, in Holy Scripture. I mean, we have mm-hmm. all the teachings, so many of the teachings of Jesus, the Beatitudes and the parables of Jesus. And, you know, are we really attentive to the teachings of Jesus, or do we do they just go in one ear and out the other? So, I think sometimes we don't aren't listening, you know. And then even more than at mass or at the liturgy, in our own prayer, do we do all the talking, or do we really meditate on the teachings of Jesus and then in in silence just listen to his voice you have to be careful not to be deceived because you know if people they can let their imagination get uh, that's why we have to make sure that it's if it's really the authentic voice of jesus it's in accord with scripture and tradition the teachings of the church Mm -hmm. um there's an objectivity to the the teachings that we listen to the teachings that are there in the gospel the teachings of the church so if one hears something that is not in accord with the authentic teaching of the church and and the holy scriptures uh, then it's really not the voice of jesus it's one's own imagination Hmm. but the other thing you said is sometimes hearing but then not following that's a good question i mean i think some people could can hear the voice and Decide not to. Mm-hmm. That would be very sad, even tragic. Um, to n- know the shepherd, or at least to know his teachings, and and to reject them, and say, "No, I'm not going to follow." But we're free. We can choose to follow him or not. To follow him doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect followers, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but that we're trying. You know, trying to obey his commandments. So, anyhow, yeah. Good question. All right. Well, I think this
1: relates to, uh, there's so many different scriptures that reference the shepherd, that reference the sheep and different uh, scenarios and and how we fit into those stories and also how our priests fit in there. And you had such a great homily for the chrism mass. So coming up, maybe we can talk a little bit about that homily for the chrism mass that was when our priests were renewing their vows and it's such a powerful homily so that's coming up right here on truth and charity with bishop Rhodes. brought to you in part by notre dame federal credit union welcome back to truth and charity with bishop Rhodes. i am kyle hyman here with our bishop and we just talked about good shepherd sunday and i think when i think of the shepherd i also think of our pope our bishops our priests as being shepherds that you know you carry the the crozier the that staff. staff that is representative of your role as a shepherd of the diocese and uh, what is the thing that the pope wears
0: or or archbishops wear and the oh, pope Archbishop. wears the pallium pallium which is made of wool from sheep yeah, yeah. Yeah, so much imagery that we have in the church, uh,
1: but also you gave such a great homily, and uh, I I know I've heard a lot of great feedback from the homily, and we've posted it on where we have uh, the episodes of Truth and Charity. We posted that homily from the Chrism Mass there, so people can find it at RedeemerRadio.com/askbishop. You can listen to the Chrism Mass homily.
0: Were you surprised by the feedback? Oh, I was overwhelmed by it. I was very surprised because, you know, I, I preach homilies and, you know, prayerfully prepare them, and you never know, but I've never received this kind of feedback. It huh. was really overwhelming the days afterwards because I, I, you know, gave the same homily at the Chrism Mass in South Bend on Monday of Holy Week, and then on Tuesday of Holy Week in Fort Wayne. And um, yeah, there was a real outpouring and I I, I attribute it all to the Holy Spirit. Like Mm -hmm. I prepared the homily and did it prayerfully, but I had no idea it was gonna be, have the impact that it did. Really, I started by talking about the bad shepherds. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the, the crisis in the church, the storms. I spoke of the storms in the church because of the crimes of sexual abuse by some clergy. And then after talking about that, that I moved on to talk about another storm, and I called it a tsunami, the tsunami of secularism that's been sweeping across our country and across the world. I talked about that for a while, and you know, so we have a storm within and a tsunami without, outside. And I talked a good bit about both of those things, and then I, talked about how important it is for us i used another image of a storm the image of a hurricane and how a hurricane even though it brings so much turbulence and destruction it has this overwhelming force the eye of the hurricane is peaceful and calm and serene Mm -hmm. so basically i talked about that's our interior life where the lord dwells and it's that inner space that even if we're surrounded by storms or the and the tsunami we should try to live in the eye of the hurricane to help us get through the challenges i was addressing the priests too the challenges in their ministry and i talked about some concrete ways to live in the eye of the storm obviously prayer and eucharistic devotion Alexio Divina, the Holy Rosary. I talked about how Mary's in the boat with us in the midst of this storm that holds our hands so we don't fall out. I was using different images. And then I addressed the priest, too, that, you know, God never promised us when we were ordained that it was going to be easy. He didn't promise us a life of comfort or bliss, but He did promise us His love and His care and His mercy and His life. And that's what we're to minister to His people. Love, care, mercy, and life. That's what we were anointed to do. Anointed with the chrism. Of course, it was the chrism mass that I consecrated during the mass and and also were to be instruments of Christ's healing and the anointing of the sick. I blessed the oil of the sick at the chrism mass. And also, uh, I blessed the oil of catechumens. And I said, we're to be agents of the defeat of, of Satan when we anoint people with the oil of catechumens. And in... In all these sacraments, and in our preaching too, we're called to be witnesses and heralds of hope, the hope of the gospel, the hope that does not disappoint. So, the main point was as I looked at all the the bad things, then I ended the homily really very strongly by saying, even about in the midst of these challenges, the storm in the church, the tsunami of secularism in the world, we need to try to live in the eye of the hurricane and then we can live in hope and then i gave a whole list of things of where i find hope and i think that was the end of the homily I, and you know i said every time i say the words i absolve you from your sins i get i receive hope hmm. i said but i find hope even more when i hear those words spoken to me when i go to confession with a priest and then i said all the other times I find hope when I baptize an infant, when I confirm young people, when I meet victims of sexual abuse and see God granting them some healing through the church's ministry. That gives me hope. I find hope with, when I meet with our young adults and visit our high schools. I feel, find hope when every time I spend time with our seminarians and mm-hmm. when I lay hands on them in ordination. I feel hope when I visit parishes and see so many good works being done in the name of Christ. You know, I feel hope when I visit with a family that prays together and truly seeks to make their home a domestic church, where parents are raising their children in the faith and growing in their marital love. I find hope when I visit the elder members of our church family, many of whom have weathered various storms in their lives, yet they continue to manifest the joy of their faith and to share the wisdom of their years. And then I said near the end, I find hope most of all when I hold the host and the chalice at mass and pronounce the words, this is my body, this is my blood. The Eucharist gives us hope because Christ is our, our hope. He overcame sin, he conquered death. So no matter what challenges we face, no matter what storms there are in our life, we priests continue to say at Mass the mystery of faith, and everyone responds, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. That's the source of our hope. And I said, we can only make that great profe- that profession in Christ's family, the Catholic Church. And it's a family that has its troubles. It's a family that has squabbles. It's a family that's been tainted by the sins of It's members, but it's still Christ's family. And it's holy, because its head is the Holy One of God, Jesus Christ. And its soul is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, basically, that was my homily. I mean, I just summarized it. That last part, Mm -hmm. I was reading some of it. A lot of people... um, we touched by it. And I just give thanks to God for that because it wasn't me. It was the Holy spirit. And, um, you know, I'm just glad that it, uh, helped people during this difficult time.
1: Yeah. And when you say you prayerfully prepare for a homily, what is your process for
0: writing a homily like one for the chrism mass? Yeah. Well, for the chrism mass homily, I was kind of thinking about it for a few weeks, just uh-huh. thinking about it. But then when I was really getting down to doing it, I w- went before the Blessed Sacrament, and that's what I usually do. And I read the scriptures mm-hmm. in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, and I meditate on them. In this case, when I was preparing this homily, uh, you know, I've preached on those same readings every year for right. the Christmas Mass, so I'm trying to think of new ideas. But when I was reading the Gospel, where it talked, where Jesus said was reading in the synagogue the passage from Isaiah: the spirit of the lord is upon me and he has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor etc release to prisoners and all that i was thinking about how that's our mission that's the mission of the church especially the mission of priests so in meditating upon it i was also thinking about the situation in the church today and all the challenges and all the burdens for the cross that, that priests carry or that I carry or our people too, all of us. And then I said, but we're still charged with this mission. Mm-hmm. So that's what came to me in prayer. So I thought, okay, I'm gonna talk about the situation. And then the idea came to me of the storm and a tsunami, well actually I read somewhere another author talked about the tsunami of secularism. So Uh uh, that came to mind, and about living in the eye of the hurricane. But then I was like, okay, all this is going on, but we still have our mission to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And we can't lose hope. I mean, we are to be witnesses of the hope of the gospel. So that's when I started just doing a personal reflection. I started thinking, okay, where do I find hope? And that's where the latter part of the homily, I got very personal. And that was kind of a joyful experience to kind of reflect, okay, where do I find hope? And then I listed all of those. So so that's really, and then I ended with the gospel. I didn't mention that earlier, but I said, this is still our mission. We have to go forth in hope Mm -hmm. to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring liberty to captives, To announce a year of favor from the lord the same mission as jesus has that we can't be deterred because of the the difficulties that we're in because christ has conquered he has overcome sin and death and uh, we're his church we're his body even with all our flaws we have to move forward you know and we can and we can do so with hope because of the things that i mentioned
1: And as far as supporting our priests, a reminder to all of us to pray for our priests, any suggestions on things that we could or should be doing for our priests, either types of prayer, ways of praying, or things that we
0: could actually be doing to support our priests? Everything that you said, definitely. The prayers, kind words. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes, it's not many people, there's some people who are just very angry and very, that, the only time I as bishop or maybe a priest as a pastor ever hears from them is when they want to come when they're complaining about something and I I don't really think that you know people realize how demoralizing that can be Mm -hmm. to a priest Um, now priests and myself as bishop yeah we have our flaws and we make mistakes but the culture is just so angry I mean this is not just in the church but People just looking to attack, you know, and that just gets very wearisome. I mean, if there's rightful uh, criticism, someone could do that in a constructive way. Some people can be pretty hateful in their speech, or or they write anonymous letters, things like that. It's just really, it's that's where I'd say evil has crept in, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets it's away from what what is the very heart of the teaching of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. And yet there's so much bitterness in some people. Thanks be to God, the great majority of our people are very supportive of our priests and Mm -hmm. and do show that love. But we do have some who, who call themselves Christian, who call themselves Catholic, but they have this bitterness and anger and hatred that sometimes gets displayed. And I want to say to those people, that's dangerous to yeah. your, their own souls, you know, and that's very, very serious sin. Um, you know, I talked about it at the beginning of Lent in my Lenten message to the diocese about uh, avoiding slander, calumny, and detraction, sins of the tongue. Right. That's just so prevalent in our society. And... Um, we need to be uh, eleven in society. The goodness of Christ, the tr- the truth of the gospel, the goodness of Christ, and the love of Christ—that's what we're called to. give. And I, so that's why I say, I think some of, some priests who've spoken to me, where there's been something that that tr- deeply hurt them from a parishioner or uh, someone else, and it can go the other way too. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had lay people who've been hurt by something a priest has said to them and so I think we all have to be mindful of that and Mm -hmm. and say okay what are we about where is the unity of love in the church the body of Christ just basic kindness
1: yeah All right. well just a reminder if you have any questions for Bishop you can ask them by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash askbishop you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260 436 95 98 and coming up we'll talk about john 6 the bread of life discourse the eucharist and when was it really instituted here on truth and charity with bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by notre dame federal credit union welcome back to truth and charity with bishop Rhodes. i am kyle hyman here with our bishop and we have coming up today's mass The Bread of Life Discourse, it's called. It comes from John chapter 6. The gospel is verses 35 through 40. Get a lot of our Eucharistic imagery here in this one. Thought this would be a good chance for us to to touch on that a little bit. This could probably be a whole 30 episodes of itself. But
0: maybe you can share a little bit about today's gospel. Well, you know, it's interesting. Every year we have a continuous reading Of John chapter six during the third week of Easter of the Easter season so every year if you go to daily mass you'll hear from one day to the next the continual reading of John chapter six which as you you may know begins with the multiplication of the loaves and fish Uh and then Jesus walking on water he went across the Sea of Galilee And after he performed that miracle. Mm -hmm. And so, that's the beginning of chapter six and the walking on water. Then he arrives across the sea to the city of Capernaum. That's where Peter was from, his mother-in-law, where he stayed, where Uh he lived. And then Jesus speaks this discourse, which is very lengthy. I mean, it's more than 60 verses in John chapter six. So, it's a long chapter so we have different excerpts like you mentioned maybe we could look a little more deeply at just one little excerpt from it that is in today's gospel which is john 6 verses 35 to 40. Uh and that's where jesus begins speaking to the crowds and says i am the bread of life now there are seven i am i am's in the gospel of john i love john's gospel where Jesus uses that I am. And um, so here in in John 6, it's I am the bread of life. You, just out of curiosity, can you think of some of the other I am's from John's gospel? Kyle? Oh, uh, I am the bread of life. Uh... I am the way and the truth and the life. Does That's that, very good. Okay. That's in chapter 14. Okay. I am the way, the truth and the life. Uh-huh. We could have a whole episode on that. Yeah. But go ahead. What else? That's two out of the seven. Uh, that, that only counted as one. I thought maybe <laughs> i get three of them <laughs> with that one.
1: Uh, I
0: am the light of the world. Is that Very one? good. Okay. I am the light of the world. What chapter? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> chapter eight. Okay. I am the light of the world. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's good. I good. am. What uh, were we just talking oh, about? Alpha and Omega? Is that No, that's in uh, the book of Revelation. Okay. Jesus never said <laughs> that about it. Well, no, they say that about Jesus. He didn't okay. say it about himself. I am. I don't think. Yeah, I uh, have to look that up. The, what were we just talking about? Uh, the Lamb of... I, I well build, he was but he never build. said that I, okay <laughs> i am the good shepherd i am the good shepherd okay yes i am the good shepherd hey, right. you're getting there Kyle. <laughs> this is this is a S- st- stru- stru- stressful uh, yeah i love when i can put you I'll, on the I, spot I, I i like the challenge <laughs> well now you're at four so okay. you've you're, you have the majority I cleared, I cleared halfway i feel like that's a success so let me give you the other ones <laughs> the one that you don't that is probably you don't hear too often is in chapter 10, the same chapter where, where Jesus says, I am Prince the good Peace. shepherd. No, 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 he doesn't say that. Either. <laughs> it is a title of Jesus, but uh-huh. that comes from, yeah. Okay. Somewhere else. But in John's gospel, Jesus says in chapter 10, besides I am the good shepherd, he says, I am the gate. Mm, yeah. Which is very good. And then in chapter 11, maybe I'll give you a little hint when he's speaking at, after the raising of Lazarus, what does he say to Martha? And I guess to Mary, too. Hmm. I am the... Say, I am the resurrection? Yes. Did he say that? He does. Okay, I am the resurrection and the life. Okay, yeah. I am the resurrection. And then one of my favorites is in chapter 15, which is part of... Jesus' discourse at the Last Supper. As a matter of fact, I was just preaching on that at a baccalaureate mass. I am the vine. Oh, yeah. And you are the branches. Mm-hmm. I am the true vine, Jesus says. So anyhow, it's kind of fun to get this, you know, study of the Bible. Think about the Gospel of John, these seven I am's. And now, as you were talking about, the, 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 what we're talking about today is Jesus saying to the crowds, I am the bread of life. And in today's gospel, it continues, and I think this is good for our meditation like we did earlier, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Hmm. Now, what I like to do when I pray Lexio Divina is I'll close my eyes, and I'll just say those words, and I'll just let them sink in. And um, it's like Jesus speaking to me. And the idea of never hungering and never thirsting, you know, that's an interesting thing. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. In other words, Jesus satisfies all the hungers and thirst of the human heart, when you think about that. And what's our biggest hunger? And thirst. It's for life, life in its fullness. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is the bread of life. And whoever comes to to me, he says, will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. So I'll continue with that reading. Then Jesus says, But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Now I thought to myself, okay it's kind of a lament okay these people have seen him they've even seen his miracles okay some of his miracles and they don't believe i think that's an indictment in the sense that they i think what probably jesus means is i mean they probably saw him as or believed in him as a prophet of some sort or a a miracle worker a wonder worker Mm -hmm. But what's he talking about here? I think it's talking about belief in him as God's son, as the one who's come from heaven. So then he goes on, everything that the father gives me will come to me. And I will not reject anyone who comes to me because I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. So let's think about that. That idea that everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me. So it's, it's God the Father. Again, This, as we were talking about before, the Father and I are one. This relationship of the Father and the Son, which is so prominent in John's Gospel. So it's God the Father who moves us, who moves people to faith. That's the whole reality that we speak of as grace, okay? The Father gives, he gives us his grace. He says, I will not reject anyone who comes to me. If you look at the Greek, and that's something I do sometimes is I'll, sometimes, especially John's gospel, I'll use the Greek New Testament because there's certain things that you just don't capture as well in English. And when I look that up, I will not reject anyone who comes to me. When I was reading this gospel in Greek, the verb is ekbalo, which is throw out. I won't throw out anyone who comes to me. Well, when you think it's kind of an allusion to the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were thrown out of the Garden, it's the same verb. Mm -hmm. If you look at the Greek translation of the Hebrew, it's the same verb. So, Here we have something of the idea of the reversal now. You know, he came to save, to rescue us. And then he says, because I come down from heaven. That's a startling thing, that he was with God before his life on earth. I mean, that's, of course, we see that at the very beginning of John's gospel, when it said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, you see, this theme comes across all through John's gospel. Like right here, I came down from heaven. And he says, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. There's another place where Jesus says, my food is to do the will of my father. Hmm. So Jesus's whole purpose, his whole mission was to do the will of the Father. And what's that will? It's the salvation of all humanity. And Jesus' will was perfectly aligned with the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. We remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, not my will, but your will be done. And then he says, and this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me. But, that I should raise it on the last day. What a beautiful thing. That's, that's God's will, that we all be saved and that we be raised on the last day. And then the gospel ends in verse 40, for this is the will of my father, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have eternal life and I shall raise him on the last day. All right. Well, let's take
1: a break. And if anybody has any questions, you can always call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And coming up, we'll have more on the Bread of Life discourse here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. We've been talking about today's gospel reading, which is the Bread of Life discourse from John chapter 6. Bishop, would you please continue where you left off? Sure.
0: As you continue reading John chapter 6, it goes further and further. than Jesus kind of compares himself to, to the manna in mm-hmm. the desert. Then he starts speaking about how he's the living bread come down from heaven. And then he goes on and says about the bread being his flesh. And then he says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, so has eternal life and I will raise him on the last day. That comes much later in the fifth verses in the fifties, like verse John six, 51 and following, but it, it kind of reaches a crescendo. But here it's kind of beginning with more the idea that Jesus is the bread of life in the sense that he's the one sent by god to satisfy all our needs our hunger and our thirst for life and he's really god's wisdom because he speaks about um when he speaks about himself as as the bread of life here it's basically he's the one who's teaching god's way and in him god is fulfilling his promise to save us so he's god's wisdom so the idea of bread of life as god's wisdom but then as it progresses, as I said, then he gets into the bread of life as the Eucharist. Uh-huh. So there's, it's really both God's Word and the body and blood of Christ. In certain writings, you'll, you'll hear it speaking of the bread of God's Word and the bread of the Eucharist. Hmm. Uh, of course, the bread of the Eucharist is the real presence in the sense that it's, Christ is substantially present, really and truly. So it's beautiful. this is a great chapter. This chapter six of John's Gospel has led to the conversion of many to the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know many Protestants who when they try to interpret John chapter six, struggle with it and uh, the realism of it and some of them discover well I because of the Eucharist I'm, I'm going to become Catholic uh-huh.
1: and part of this where it continues and he says this is my body and we say this at mass or the priest says it at mass rather this isn't the last supper no there there have been a
0: few writers who have speculated that jesus might have said some of this at the last supper Uh but in john's gospel he's saying it in capernaum Uh and so it would be you know and obviously the last supper was in uh jerusalem And what Jesus says when he instituted the Eucharist at the Last Supper, specifically, he took the bread. He he didn't do that when he was giving this talk. He, you know, took the bread and he took the cup of wine and said, this is my body, this is my blood at the Last Supper. Uh He didn't do that in Capernaum when he was giving this discourse. And he didn't say, this is my body, this is my blood. He, He said, I am the bread of life. And then he speaks about eating his flesh. And drinking his blood. He does talk about that, but he doesn't give the command. He doesn't give the mandate yet. He doesn't do that until the Last Supper. Okay. Well, good. So the institution
1: of the Eucharist actually happens at the Last Supper. This is more him kind of getting you ready for
0: that. Right. Teaching about it. Yes. All right. Well, good.
1: Well, there's so many things I think to talk about with this one of the things i do want to point out and, and maybe you just thought on is in john chapter 6 verse 66 so i this has always been an easy way for me to remember where this <laughs> happens john six six six, it says that the some of the disciples left and he lets them leave and i always think this is a great defense for this being a literal interpretation for this, because if it was just symbolic, nobody would have a problem with it. Right. Sure. Uh, this is my body. I, I get it. This is some symbolic thing. You have to eat my flesh uh, symbolically. Sure. No problem. But if he's speaking literally, then that's hard to believe. And so then they leave and he turns to the disciples and asks if they're going to leave too. And they say, no, we're not going to leave. Who, where else would we go? So one of the things that I, I was thinking about on Holy Thursday Was, were they leaving because he was saying, you need to eat my flesh, and they couldn't accept that bread could become the body of Christ, or they could understand that the bread could become the body of Christ because he's divine, but they
0: couldn't accept the idea that they would consume that? No, I think the former, I think the first thing. First of all, they would not have... Uh, recognized him as divine at this point. Okay. Yeah, they would not have, um, they didn't really understand or believe in the divinity of Christ until later, probably after the resurrection. But besides that, I think what was most, they were scandalized by those words because remember they were Jews and it was forbidden to drink blood. Mm -hmm. I mean, that idea, and and of course eating flesh would be like cannibalism. So, they were just, they thought this was probably crazy, but they, I think they were scandalized because this seemed to be a violation of the law of the Old Testament about not drinking blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the reason that they left, Okay, that they found it too difficult. Well, I think it actually says that they found it too difficult, too, too hard to believe, right. right. too difficult to believe. But they were thinking in a very earthly way. Um, Of course, we understand that we're we're talking about a sacrament that uh, we consume Christ's true body and blood, His flesh and blood, through sacramental signs of of bread and wine that have been uh, the bread and wine have been transformed into His body and blood. Uh, But they can still have the accidents or the species of of bread and wine. They're the accidents. Um, so Jesus' Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity we receive when we consume uh, the Holy Eucharist. So the sacrifice also, the Eucharistic sacrifice, it's the sacrifice of Christ on the cross represented on the altar in an unbloody manner. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so anyhow, that whole sacramental understanding which i think saint john we see so much of it in in you know there in saint john's gospel because he writes a lot about baptism he writes about the eucharist in this way it's a really mysterious kind of thing when you think about it but it's so beautiful and uh so yeah i think that's why so many left they they didn't, they didn't grasp what he was saying. They didn't understand it correctly, and they saw it as a violation of Jewish law. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, just a reminder that people can ask questions by going to redeemerradio.com slash askbishop, and you can also find the audio version of the homily of the chrism mass and the written version of your homily if people would prefer to read it. Uh, it's available through the diocesan website as well. They can find that before we go bishop
0: could we get your episcopal blessing sure the lord be with you and with your spirit blessed be the name of the lord now and forever our help is in the name of the lord who made heaven and earth may almighty god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen thank you so much bishop you're welcome kyle Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.